25th Sunday in Ordinary Time Prayer Psalm 54 Save me, O God, by your name, and vindicate me by your might. Hear my prayer, O God. Give ear to the words of my mouth. For the insolent have risen against me, the ruthless seek my life. They do not set God before them, but surely God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. He will repay my enemies for their evil. In your faithfulness, put an end to them. With a free will offering, I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good. Reading the Word Wisdom of Solomon, Chapter 2 Let us lie in wait for the righteous man, because he is inconvenient to us and opposes our actions. He reproaches us for sins against the law, and accuses us of sins against our training. Let us see if his words are true, and let us test what will happen at the end of his life. For if the righteous man is God's child, he will help him and will deliver him from the hand of his adversaries. Let us test him with insult and torture, so that we may find out how gently he is, and make trial of his forbearance. Let us condemn him to a shameful death, for according to what he says, he will be protected. Second reading. James chapter 3. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? You want something and do not have it, so you commit murder. And you covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures. Gospel Mark chapter 9 Jesus and his disciples went on from there and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it. For he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, 
the son of man is to be betrayed into human hands and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying and were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another, who was the greatest. He sat down and called the twelve and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all, and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them, and taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. Hearing the word, craving for greatness. Each devout Christians may suffer from exposure to the demanding effects of craving for greatness. Today's liturgy focuses on this theme with warnings about false greatness and pointers to indicate where true greatness lies. The Book of Wisdom was written for the Jewish community in Alexandria. At the time, this city was the heart of the Greek world, famed for its wealth and learning. Many of the Jewish people who lived there were so impressed by the Greek culture that they saw the Jewish way of life based on the law as primitive and outdated. Consequently, they adopted the Greek lifestyle. Other Jews advocated strict adherence to the Jewish ways to maintain their uniqueness and identity as God's people. This caused tensions and conflicts in the Jewish community. The Jews who were faithful to their upbringing and the law apparently criticized those who sinned against the law and against their training, accusing them of betraying their faith and heritage. This second group responded with attempt to demonstrate that the Jewish ways and beliefs were false and based on superstition. To prove their point, they planned to put both God and the righteous ones to a test by inflicting suffering torture, and even death on the faithful ones to see whether God will intervene on their behalf. If God did not act, it would prove to everyone that the claim that God protects the righteous is false. Furthermore, if God is proven false and the righteous succumbs to the persecution, it would justify their own renunciation of the Jewish way of life. We have here two opposing groups, each striving to be proved right. The group of the righteous 
seeks greatness by their adherence to God and His law. The group of the Greek sympathizers seek to be proved right by showing the other group to be strong. Both seek importance, recognition, and greatness, but they pursue these two in two very different ways. One group seeking greatness by living a righteous life, the other seeking greatness by challenging and undermining the first group. In the second reading, James also deals with a divided community, disrupted by envy and selfish ambitions of its members. Both these vices grow out of a misguided desire to be greater than others. James contrasts envy and ambition with God's wisdom. Wisdom manifests itself in numerous positive ways, which the author lists. However, the greatest fruit of divine wisdom is peace. Personal righteousness thrives in a situation of peace and leads to peace. The conflicts James discusses were not caused by outside forces, but came from the hearts of the believers, ruled by distorted desires. The Greek word for the, the Greek word for desire is the same as the word for pleasure, which implies the pursuit of enjoyment and self-indulgent enjoyment for its own sake. Such desires are disorderly because they constantly change. A person ruled by desires behaves erratically and exists in a state of eternal woe. To satisfy these desires, the person seeks a position of privilege, which leads them to strive for power, authority, praise, and recognition. This naturally leads to disputes, conflicts, and extreme situations, even to murder. Such chaos destroys the spiritual life. Some people driven by distorted desires stop relying on God altogether. They do not ask but try to seize what they crave by their own cunning. Others pray and ask but they ask wrongly, seeking only benefits that hold enhance and increase their self-satisfaction. Naturally, God does not grant such self-indulgent requests. The pursuit of pleasure and the related pursuit of power and greatness destroys the pleasure of seeker's heart and the community. James exhorts the Christians to seek the wisdom from God focused on peace and not on the competitiveness that provokes conflict. The Gospel reading combines two distinctive passages which brilliantly portray two types of greatness. In the first part, Jesus makes his second passion prediction. He teaches the disciples about his commitment to carry out his mission to the point of being killed on the cross. The disciples neither understand nor seek explanation of his teaching. The reason for their indifference becomes obvious in the passage that follows. 
Jesus and the disciples have arrived in Capernaum. Most of the disciples were from this town. They came home. On the way, they were arguing who among them was the greatest. We might speculate that as they approached their hometown, they wanted to establish who has had the greatest success. Surely, they intended to boast about their accomplishments to their friends and family. This means that as Jesus was talking about his self-sacrifice, they were bickering about rank and importance. Without explicitly criticizing them, Jesus uses this shameful incident to teach them about true greatness. First, greatness means service. Such a view turns the entire social order of the day on its head. Greatness in the view of the disciples and of the society in which they lived meant being saved, not saving. Second, discipleship requires welcoming children. Again, such a statement turns the social order upside down. Children like servants had the lowest social status. They had no rights. Their lives depended entirely on the choices and decisions made by their fathers. They were the last to be fed and could be freely given away by the parents as servants or slaves. Welcoming a child meant extending one's care to those who were not formally entitled to it. Jesus teaches that true greatness consists in protecting and uplifting those who have no one to rely upon. The disciples' quest for greatness was utterly misguided as they sought to establish a hierarchy of importance in their legal group. But true greatness in the kingdom implies self-sacrifice, service, and concern for the life of others, rather than self-aggrandizement. The message of today's readings make the Christians keenly aware of the dangers embedded in every natural human desire for self-importance and greatness, striving for a superior position in the community and in a society often has disastrous consequences. As in the Jewish community of Alexandria, it can lead to acts of violence and persecution in an attempt to assert one's correctness and to justify one's life's choices. The pursuit of pleasure and gratification can lead to a state of internal chaos, destroying a community in the process. James, keenly aware of this danger and advocated striving for peace through wisdom. James was keenly aware of this danger and advocated striving for peace through wisdom. The disciples of Jesus completely misunderstand their master. As he spoke about self-sacrifice, they competed for the highest rank in their legal group.
Jesus shattered their misconceptions, indicating that true greatness consists in self-giving, service, and focus on sustaining one's fellow human beings, particularly those in need, those who can comprehend and accept this teaching can achieve true greatness. And with the psalmist, they will be able to say, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. Listening to the word of God. We all crave for something, usually for that which brings us pleasure and comfort. Someone once said, Life is too short, scoop it with a big spoon, because you might not have the opportunity again. We all want to get the best out of life. Everyone wants to be at the top of their game, their career, or their calling. Is it wrong to crave for good life? Surely it is not wrong to crave for a better life. But a deep look into our cravings is needed because we often crave for what in reality are just our own selfish interests. We think only of I and not of the we, only of the mine and not the ours. When our craving is all about the I, then we can easily get lost in the ocean of selfishness, putting our desires first at the expense of everything and everyone. We use others to get what we want, and at that point, we can be driven to doing illegal things. Some, to find wealth, think since I want to be very rich, I won't mind selling drugs to gain more cash, even if my customers will lose their minds after using them. All that is important to me is that I get what I want, even if the earth stops spinning. St. James invites us to a deeper reflection on our lives as Christians, as a part of the Christian community. For Christians, there are values of other-centeredness and broad concern for others, which we must pursue if we are really to behave as God's children and as members of Christ's body. Our craving for greatness at work, at school, and in relationships can lead to behavior that contradicts our Christian identity. Such acts might include exaggerated competitiveness, egoism, slander, gossiping, and deceit. When we focus only on our own desires, then the result is a partial commitment within the community, hypocrisy of all kinds, discord, and even harming 
one another, which shows the extent to which our selfish cravings can negatively affect the community. Our cravings can also affect our prayer life because we push Christ away from our life and from the midst of the community by not listening to him. The scripture says, Where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there. But when each one gathers in their own name, seeking personal gains and glory, we impose only our presence and do not seek the presence of God. Hence, when we pray, our prayers are not answered because we ask with only ourselves in mind. A good example of the damaging effects of unbridled desire is found in today's gospel. As Jesus speaks about his forthcoming passion, the disciples are so dominated by thoughts of their greatness that they barely listen to him. Their dominant thoughts were not the same as those of Jesus. They wanted greatness and position, but Jesus wanted them to see where true greatness lies. He taught them that greatness is found in humility, in service to others, and in living out one's faith in God through faithful commitment. This is a lesson for us. Let us not be like the disciples. Instead of thinking of what we can gain, let us think of how we can serve. Our preoccupations may vary, but the liturgy invites us to reflect on which desires drive our lives. We are reminded to examine our prevailing thoughts and desires and to see whether they are directed to true Christian values, whether they lead us to the path of holiness and help us live well in the community of God. Ambition begets troubles. Action. Self-examination. What do I want most? God, authority, money, or respect from others? Or what? How do I relate to those whom I think are better than I am in a particular field? Do I try to bring them down and take their place? Response to God I will make a daily prayer telling God that my foremost desire is to seek his glory and live in his ways as revealed through Jesus so that I might one day be united with him in eternity. Response to your world I will examine and identify my most ardent desires and list them.
Then I will analyze this list in the light of his Sunday's readings to see whether these desires are in accordance with Christ's teaching or whether they are just my selfish cravings. This week, I will join the community of believers with a mind open free of prejudice against anyone. I will encourage all present to share on the ways we can help each other to grow without using each other for our own personal gain. Save me, Lord, from unhealthy cravings that pull me away from you. Teach me to live a righteous and edifying life that I may live fully as your child, trusting in you for all my needs. Never let me bring discord or hatred amongst your children. May I always be an instrument of your peace. May my desires always be according to your will. This I ask through Christ our Lord. Amen.